You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Summer School Electronics. Summer School Electronics is a pedal company from Syracuse, New York, making incredible stuff. There are a few summer school devices knocking around the shred shed, and I can tell you from personal experience, they sound great, they hold up, and Mark is a super cool dude. The first pedal I saw from them was the Science Fair, which is a parallel classic drive and distortion. And now they've released a new parallel concept called the Class Reunion. The Class Reunion takes a 90s muff style circuit and combines it with their Trash Panda, which is like a soft clipping, high gain, amp in a box style circuit. And it is a super, super versatile combination with all kinds of clipping options, parallel blending. It's really, really rad, a really cool idea, and I think you should check it out. So go over to summerschoolelectronics.com. That's summerschoolelectronics.com and check them out today. I don't know if I'm just talking to nothing right now. Hopefully, if I am, you can just edit this into a really cool uh, monologue. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the ToneMob.com podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and for the second time, I'm talking to Brian Hamilton of Small Sound Big Sound. How are you doing today? Hello. Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, as I said uh, the second time, that's because we tried to do this before, and then the computer gremlins decided to eat the file and take it away into wherever they take things. Yeah. That was unfortunate. We had a nice talk, though, so, you know. It was. Hopefully it'll be nice again. Yeah, we had a nice icebreaker, and now no, none of you people get to know what we talked about. Maybe we talked about <laughs> you. Maybe we... I think I think we did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I definitely talked about, yeah, you right there, the hat. Yeah. We, ta- we, yeah. Talked, we talked about that guy, didn't we? <laughs> He's so dumb. Oh. I hate that guy. <laughs> Why is he always, he always has that look on his face like he has no idea what's going on. And that hat, really, anyone with a hat, I don't like. I don't trust them. Oh, you don't. Oh, you don't trust guys in hats. No. What are they hiding? What do they have under that hat? Well, it could be male pattern baldness or <laughs> something true. like. I mean, that's not really. You know, I I tr- I mean, I wear a hat sometimes. I mean, that's why I don't trust you. Oh, okay, I shouldn't have said that. Dang it. In fact, I think the only selfie I ever took, I have a hat on. Oh boy, this is bad. Yeah. You'll you'll never be able to believe me. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, how was the day? What what uh, what were you up to this fine uh, Thursday? Uh, not too much. I was uh, making some pedals, writing some emails. Uh, you know, normal things I do on a Thursday. Uh, I also I pick up my. I belong to a local uh, CSA in uh Philadelphia so I, I pick that up every Thursday which is nice which for those people who don't know that's uh, community supported agriculture oh cool uh, so I was it's a, basically I like I was about yeah. to say I'm dumb I don't know what that is but cool no it's okay I mean my, probably a lot of people don't it's it's nice it's uh 
Um, it's basically like just a, there's an urban farm in Philadelphia. It's called Greensgrow and they, um, they provide a nice community service, uh, to some low income people, um, and things like that. But they also provide a nice service for people who have some money to spend and they just have nice, uh, local produce and things. And it's, you basically go and you get a, you sign up for a share and you pick it up once a week and. It's always different. It's always what's in season. And I think their radius is about a hundred and a hundred miles or so. Um, so everything's, you know, relatively close. That's really cool. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. I'm sure we got a bunch of stuff like that here around Portland. I probably should have been more familiar with that. Oh yeah. I'm sure there's tons in Portland. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. You should look it up. Did you make any good scores today? Um, I got some Romanesco, which is always interesting. It's uh, it's sort of a, I think it's a relative of cauliflower, somewhere in between a, a cauliflower and a broccoli. Um, it's in the same family, at least, and it looks like a, a fractal, basically. Really? You look it up. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, and it, it tastes kind of similar to an in-between of those two as well. It's a milder, milder flavor. It's, it's really nice, like roasted. It's good. That sounds good. And here we are on the uh, Broccoli Mob podcast. We're talking about vegetables and the people behind them. There so. you go. <laughs> <laughs> they were touching on new subjects this time. Oh, man. Works. We're breaking, breaking new ground. This has never mm-hmm. been explored before. Great. It's good. first time for everything. <laughs> it's good stuff. So we can jump right into it. And, you know, as I said, we've talked about this before, but we can have you tell all the other people that a uh, nice musical background story that you have. It's actually pretty interesting. So I, I'm down with hearing it again. All right. Well, I'll try to, um, I'll try to make sure it's all accurate and, uh, the same. Um, Oh, we, we won't know the difference. Will we? You might You'll be like, no, that didn't happen. No, <laughs> you told me last time. Okay. You're not a xylophone wizard. Um, <laughs> well, you could be, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I think I started last time I went pretty far back. Um, that's cool. That's what we like. Yeah. So pretty, you know, I didn't really play any instruments growing up up until, uh, middle school or so. And then around that time I played saxophone and alto sax and, um, did that for a while and it was nice. I was, I think I was pretty good at it. Uh, but I, was sent to an all-boys Catholic school where they didn't have a music program. And during that time, I basically completely forgot about it, gave it up. Um, And then when I got sent back to public school, uh, after I got kicked out of that place, I started playing again. But this time, um, I I don't think I went right back into playing in in band or anything, but I I had some friends who played in like... um, who, who like played in punk bands and stuff at the time. And we started this weird, like sort of punk ska trio. It was just like alto sax, guitar and drums. So that was sort of my first band experience. And I'm sure it was really bad. Um, <laughs> but that was, Oh, actually, you know what? No, I did do something before that or around the same time that I forgot about last time. Oh, I, yeah, I had some friends and I, we played for like our, oh, maybe it was around the same time. Yeah. It was like eighth grade talent show or something. Uh, and I sang in the band 
and we did like, oh man, we did song number two by Blur. Oh, really? Nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I think like some like an XPX song or something like, oh man, I'm, that was probably really, really bad. Responsibility <laughs> or something. I don't know. Yeah, man, that was, that was weird. I totally forgot about that. Uh, Good yeah, times. that was cool. That sounds really very super familiar <laughs> to me right now. I had yeah. a similar experience. That's awesome. Yeah, was it a talent show kind of kind of experience? <clears throat> oh. Oh. Did you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You're good. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. No, I, well, still anyway, got I don't know what just happened right there, but let's just uh I guess okay, so then I did that thing. That happened very briefly, but then sort of uh, lost interest. And then it was a couple of years. I uh, wasn't really interested in music that much in terms of playing it. Still listened to tons of music. And I uh, started smoking a lot of weed when I was in high school. And then I think it was like maybe my middle of my junior year. And I was at a friend's house and we were all getting pretty stoned. And she had a piano and I thought it would be a good idea to just start playing. And I did, and I just kind of made stuff up. And it turned out to be kind of cool, and everyone was, like, into it, and it was fun. They are like, whoa. Yeah, it was kind of, <laughs> yeah, it was, yes, totally. I mean, yeah, it was probably not that good, but, you know, we were, we were pretty baked, so it was, it was fun. Uh, and then the next day, I kind of woke up and decided that um, it might be a good idea to try to play piano for the rest of my life. And so I did. <laughs> turns uh, out it was a good idea. Yeah, it turns out it worked. Um, yeah, I just I practiced a lot every day. Uh, I took very the easiest classes I could that next year in high school so that I could devote as much time to practicing um, as I could. And I ended up going to uh, Berkeley School of Music, which was really fun and interesting. It's a really great school and it was a good place for me at the time. Um, but I was definitely pretty far behind a lot of the other students in terms of my technical ability at the instrument. So it was a little unnerving and I think I was maybe a little shy at first because of that. Um, but I met some really great people and we played some really great music and, uh, I uh, played in a lot of different bands when I was there. My first band um, was with two really amazing, really amazing musicians, uh, a drummer and a guitarist. And uh, we had a trio that was very tortoise-like. It's kind of like a jazz, jazzy, post-rock kind of weird band. And we did a lot of fully improvised shows. Uh, we used a lot of radio we did some shows where we played like radios and um that's sort of where i sort of got started to get interested in pedals with that band um yeah weren't you it was like you were playing like the radios like through guitar pickups and stuff but like yeah 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 yeah, yeah okay yeah. yeah that's what i thought yeah okay. guitarists from my band would do some cool stuff like that and um that's rad yeah at the time <laughs> i was using i had I was using kind of a bogus keyboard for a while, um, but then I graduated to a Rhodes around then, mm. um, and 
as I should have, I got a, a Fender Twin, which was the proper amp to use for that instrument. So, yes, um, yes it is. So yeah, I had that set up, and I started to get some pedals, uh, which was which was nice. And like I said, the first I think the first pedal I got, I actually remember another first pedal I got too around that time, which was so the one of the first pedals was probably it was like a Turbo T, uh, TS9 or something like that, Turbo Tube Screamer, and I thought that would be really good sounding for some reason uh, on the roads. Turns out it's not really that good sounding. Okay, you live and learn. <laughs> yeah. Well, come on. It should sound phenomenal, especially no, on the a... low end. Yeah, I mean, I, so yeah, I was covering a lot of the bass end of that band, and it just, like, you know, cut all the balls off of it. And uh, obviously it was very mid-rangey, which was good because of that setup, you know, Rhodes Fender Twin. There's a lot of scooped mids there. Um, so, I mean, it wasn't horrible, but... It, it didn't do what I wanted it to do, and I didn't do what I thought it would do. Um, and I remember actually around that time, I also got a, uh, an Elisa's MIDI Verb, which is actually a really awesome sounding reverb for how like kind of cheap and yeah, those are basic, cool. Basic it is, yeah. yeah. But it has a great like really 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 long super washy uh, verb that I think is is pretty interesting. Um, I mean, it's a rack unit, so you can't really like turn it on or off. Right. Easily. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it's just kind of like you just have to go for it. Full commitment with that pedal or rack unit. Mm. Yeah, I dig those, actually. <clears throat> yeah, they're neat. Um, and, and yeah, I think I started um, – I, I got a DL4 around that time and fell totally in love with it. Um, and that was like a kind of a big – change like a game changer pedal for me at the time just the looping functions were really really interesting and I could do a lot of a lot of neat stuff on my own so you could you know loop a lot of really cool sounds with the roads uh banging on the pickups so you open it up and and like smack it and get all these nice weird acoustic electroacoustic sounds out of it and you know, it's just you could be very expressive and, and kind of create these like great textures and explore it a lot on your own with you know making loops and stuff like that. Have a little time to to listen to it. So that was that was really nice, and I did a lot of that stuff with that band. Um, I just had a thought. Um, sure. Yeah, it would probably be a cool thing to explain to some people. Most of this most of this audience is. Are guitar players? Oh yeah, guitarists. And some right. and some people probably. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people do know, but some people probably aren't familiar with the with the roads. Could you maybe explain how that works and what it is? I mean, you, obviously it's a keyboard based instrument, but sure, kind of yeah, go yeah, okay, into so. that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's something Good. we didn't um, do last time. <laughs> totally, no, and it makes sense. Um, so Fender Rhodes is um, electromechanical keyboard. It was popular, probably you know. 70s time maybe maybe the late 60s I don't remember when they first started making them um, anyway it's an extremely heavy instrument uh, and yes. um, full size keys that are feel like you know fairly piano like they have a weight to them um, they're all very different and they have hammers striking um, metal 
pickups, uh, metal tines, I'm sorry, which in turn are connected to a pickup system. So each one has its own small little pickup. And that is uh, sent out through just like normal Apple Jack. So it's pretty sure it's, pa it's a passive system. Um, so it's, it is similar to a guitar in terms of, of its output. Um, so it, Rhodes do work really, really well with uh, guitar pedals for that very reason. Um, which is something that a lot of it, I guess, is, is better about it than some other keyboards. It'll interface perf like really, really well with, with most pedals. Um, you don't have to like turn the levels down or up or like change anything too much. Um, since most other keyboards have some sort of either their line level because they're, you know, synths and they're made for interfacing with like mixing it, mixers and um, studio gear and things like that. Right. Or other, other electro um, mechanical keyboards like a, a Wurlitzer, which similar to a Rhodes, except rather than striking um, these metal tines, it, it strikes metal reeds, which are then amplified uh, with like a, um, an active, active electronics uh, like system. So that, oh, I don't. I didn't realize that about the word. Yeah. So yeah. So Wurlitzer, you have to plug it in to play it uh, into the wall, and then it amplifies it. And it has two different outputs, and one is like a uh, a lower output, and one is like a headphone output. At least I'm pretty sure that's what they're there for. But the one is much much lower. But still, it'll drive pedals a lot more than a guitar. Right. So mm -hmm. you know, it's it's sort of the difference between like a passive or an active guitar or something like that right uh yeah cool but sorry are good I yeah no, that's cool i didn't I mean know. to to kick you off track i was just like dawned on me that some people totally may cool. not have heard of that so no it's yeah, totally they, totally good they sound amazing they're one of the coolest i love i i i'm i'm a kind of a a flunky well i'm a flunky guitar player but i'm i'm even worse on piano uh but i i still would really like one just to uh to mess around with, they sound. Yeah, they're they're beautiful instruments. I mean, they're they're all different too, which is nice. I mean, it's sort of like you know, getting a piano or something like that, or or a guitar. You know, they they all feel different, right? And they kind of have a different character and sound to them. So, and there's you know, there's different models of of Rhodes as well. I don't I don't remember how many different iterations there are, but um, you know, some are better than others, and some just sound different than others. Some are have more of like a 80s kind of sound to them. Some are a little sparkly, more sparkly. Some are a little more like, you know, bark to them. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's. I mean, it's a really, it's a really cool instrument. It's great, but they're really heavy. They're really heavy, and they do uh, take a little bit of work to maintain them. So they're not really for everyone, I think. Right. Um. Mm. Are there any, like, I've never seen one, but are there any modern? People, like manufacturers making roads or are they all vintage at this point? Uh, you know, I think there is actually one, I think there is one company and I don't, I don't know their name off, off the top of my head, but there's definitely one company that was making like reproduction, um, um, roads. I don't know sure. if they still do it or if it was like a limited thing. I, I have no idea, but I'm, I'm almost positive that there was somebody making, making new ones. I'm gonna have to hit the old Google on that. That's interesting. Yeah, I think they were very, you know, very expensive. Um, 
as they should be. I mean, it's an extremely complex instrument and yeah. you know, it takes a lot of uh, work to go into making one. I'm sure it's, there's just a lot of parts and it's just a lot that would go into it. Right. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there's the uh, Fender Rhodes 101. Now back to Rhodes 101. Yeah. Back to the Brian Hamilton story. Okay. Yeah. So the rest of the music story is, uh, you know, I, I just I played in a lot of other bands at the time. I played in um, like kind of a funky jam band. I played in like a sort of a slow core uh, like shoegaze band. Um, some more like experimental like pop groups and. I had a, oh, I did forget to, this one last time too. Um, I ha was in a improvisational laptop trio. So oh, what? Three, yeah, three of us, and we, we just played laptops. Um, we did use some other keyboards and stuff when we played a couple shows. So it wasn't fully laptops, but it was, uh, yeah, that was like a, that was a really cool uh, project. That's a trip. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a good marriage of, of, minds I think and tastes because um one of the guys he was like uh, just a you know a wizard at using like an MPC and like creating um like beats and like rhythmic textures and then I was kind of more of the like harmonic textural guy okay and then the other guy was definitely more, um, he did a lot of the harmonic textural stuff too, but he definitely handled more of the, some more of the melodic ideas. So it sort of just like worked out. We just fell into our, into place with that. Um, that was, that was really fun and interesting and a new way to just like explore music with people. So, you know, Berkeley was great. It was just like a, a great opportunity to just like try a lot of different things and, and just see what sort of stuck. And I mean, I took a lot from all of those experiences and I think all of those things sort of helped to inform uh, where I, where I went with it because prior to that, I'd wanted to, you know, I wanted to play jazz. Um, and I totally looked up to like Brad Meldow and Keith Jarrett, and, you know, Bill Evans, like all these, total legends, <laughs> right? Like extremely, uh, virtuosic players. Um, but you know, I started way late to the game and, uh, I just felt like I was kind of behind the curve. So I ended up just trying to find a different way. And I think I did. So I'm pretty happy with, with how that went. Um, yeah. And that led me to, play with more bands and then I ended up kind of falling more into like rock band stuff. I played with another band um, called Bon Savants for a while and we did a couple like US tours. Um, played with some really cool bands there and uh, and then that led me to my current band called Symbols Eat Guitars and it, we've been playing together now for a long time, five or six years. I was, uh, was going to say, I. Yeah, I heard your band before I knew of your pedal company, so it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, we've been we've been doing it for a while. So And I guess this is where I could segue into the other part of our conversation, which I thought was interesting. Um so which was I don't know if that's appropriate for me to do. It is. It's totally a <laughs> yeah, do it. 
So yeah, so you had asked me about um, gear, some of the gear I currently use and um, current keyboard and stuff like that. Oh, which, right. Yeah, I wanted to Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely dig into that. I, yeah, I was thinking about it a little more, actually, um, just because I liked that part of the conversation, too. <laughs> so, but, so, Brian, what gear yeah. do you use in your, in your keyboard rig? Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not really useful to, to travel with a, a Fender Rhodes or anything like that anymore. Uh, nobody really likes to do that, except if you have crew and roadies and things like that, which is cool. Uh, <laughs> we're not really at that point, so... Um, I needed something I could travel with in this band and, and fly with. Uh, so I ended up getting a, a Nord stage compact version, which has sort of organ style keys. It's a very light keyboard. It's a 73 keys, I think. Um, but it has a really cool pitch bender kind of thing on it, uh, which is a little wooden, it's like a little wooden piece that sticks up. Like imagine a wooden rectangle that sticks out of the keyboard. And then it has like a, crescent shape kind of like a like a, Cut out a of saddle type of thing yeah exactly mm -hmm. this is exactly this conversation is coming back to me now okay uh, yeah, yeah. that's what i yeah, thought it's like a saddle yeah. i was like this is sounding familiar oh yeah okay yes uh, it's a, you put saddle. your finger in it right yeah yeah you just kind of like place your hand on the keyboard and you're one of your fingers i i'm pretty sure i use my middle finger for it uh just kind of drops in place on that and you have a really really precise control over the pitch um most like most synthesizers use a little a wheel pitch pitch bending wheel on the bottom left of the the keyboard, and it usually snaps into place in the center, so it keeps your original pitch, and then you can kind of pitch it up or down, um, it'll spring back to place. But this thing does the same exact thing, but it just has a very very fluid feel to it, um, and it's just great. So I sort of use it and still use it a lot to do a lot of like pitch bending kind of like whammy bar uh style kind of shoegaze textures so it it was nice that i found a piece of gear that um enabled me to find my voice a little more as well and i think that's like what everyone is always looking for too oh. everyone who's like interested in gear you're always trying to find like the thing you know that kind of maybe defines you yeah, you, not. you're usually looking for that, you know, that whatever's in your head that you, mm -hmm. and you're trying to get it out. And uh, yeah. it's it's awesome when you, you find that one thing, yeah, whatever that is. Sure. I mean, sometimes you don't intend it either. You're, you're just like experimenting with someone, uh, something, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to keep doing this. And then before you know it, it's like a, a thing and it's like your thing. And that's kind of really nice. Uh, when it just happens sort of uh, organically, I guess you could say it's it's a it's a really cool feeling when you kind of when you kind of know like yeah like that I, like you're in the moment you're playing maybe you're just experimenting with by yourself or or maybe you're with your band but I've had a couple moments when it was like I well it was just a few months ago I I found this particular stack of pedals out of some new stuff that I had gotten. And mm -hmm. I was like, I'm just gonna mess with it for a second, and I was, and I was playing around, and then like the next thing I know, it was like two hours later, and I was like, all sweaty, and <laughs> and just like like dripping sweat, and realized I had just been like rocking as I would be with like with my band, 
all yeah, by yeah. myself, like for no reason. And awesome. and it was like this sound is awesome, and <laughs> kind of made note of what I was using. And yeah, it was a it was kind of a comical moment if somebody would have walked in and seen me it, pretending to be I don't even know <laughs> <laughs> some sweaty what? guitar monster. Sure. What uh, do you remember? What, what you were using that you know let you see that sort of vision? Uh, yeah, I I was using um my Telecaster into this um this fuzz face um kind of a fuzz face prototype that I'm I'm kind of like uh kind of talking to a guy about right now that he wanted mm-hmm. me to kind of scope out what he, what I thought about it and. Nice. Uh, and then into um my what was which overdrive was i using um oh it was my mad professor sweet honey and then just a little bit of verb and um my benson monarch and yeah i had the fuzz face dimed as you do with a fuzz face and sure. yeah it was just you know, it was doing that cool thing when you get a really good fuzz face where you can roll off the volume and it gets that sparkly, gorgeous, sexy sound. That, yeah, totally. And and then, but then when I would roll it on, it was this roaring monster of, but like all the all the harmonics were jumping out just like you want. It just was this. It was a classic rock and roll guitar sound, but it was just so full and rich sounding. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just really doing it for me. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Get that get that note bloom going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything was reacting the way, you know, you know, just the way you want it, just enough squish to it. It was just it yeah. was cool. It'll it'll be making its way onto uh onto probably my next album somehow. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah, Good I mean time. that's you know, the way if, you know, the way things feel uh, obviously is just as important as the way they sound. And I mean it goes for pedals just the same as amps and guitars and keyboards and stuff like that you know once you just like you can connect with something like that it just it sounds better you know like it doesn't really matter what it is even it, you're playing something and and it just like feels good to play uh it's just it, it's always gonna sound better to you oh a hundred percent i think that's kind of part of the problem with like I'm not trying to rip on this stuff or anything, but like the, the axe effects and, and things like that, I've played them mm-hmm. and they, and you know what, if I just was blind AB testing, um, and not playing it, just listening, I may not be able to tell the difference. They got the digital guys have gotten really good at the modeling game right now, as far as the sound goes, Sure, but, but it don't feel right. I mean, to me, yeah. it, it does not, does not have that, that feel. If they can ever replicate that, then, then, I don't know that that's going to be a game changer, but sure. I don't know how that's possible to be honest. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it'll get there. You know, as like processors get better. People write better algorithms. I don't know. Anything's possible. There's a lot of really awesome things that you can do with digital technology. So it's, I'm sure there will be a point where it just feels basically the same. Right. Well, in case in point with some of the the digital delays and reverbs and stuff that have come out recently, um, those feel good to play. Like some of the tape emulation stuff, it's like I've I've been fortunate enough to play some real ones, and these are really, really good, some of them. Sure. So, 
if they can get there with that, then I'm sure the rest of the stuff's not too far behind. I don't know anything about it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've I've only sort of dipped my my smallest pinky toe into that world, and it's pretty deep. So, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. Well. Anyway, we. Sorry about that. We went off on a tangent, but yeah. That's cool. Your your rig. We were talking about your rig. Uh, we mm-hmm. started talking about feel. But yeah, what's the rest of your rig look like? Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty utilitarian. Um, I've used the same, pretty much the same pedal board for probably all of those six years. Maybe I've changed things like a little bit here and there. Maybe added one pedal, take taken a pedal away. Um, but it's pretty simple. Uh, and it's just because... Um, I think I just don't need anything else <laughs> right now. Right. Um, so it's, uh, and my, my chain is a little odd. So some people probably would scream heresy at <laughs> the way I have it set up. Um, but I, it works for me uh, and there's reasons why. So it's Nord goes into the pedal board and first um, I, have, I use a, a range master type pedal that I, I sort of modified a bit for my own use with keyboards and um, that works like just like a lot of other people use sort of like tr- whatever transparent overdrive type things just like adds a little sparkle mm-hmm. and um, makes it nice and generally allows the keyboard to play with the other pedals a little better um, and play with the amp a little better in my experience and and just let, lets it cut through a little more um, and then from there I go into a uh, DD5, I think, um, which is set to like a kind of short, short delay time, long repeats for sort of like a pseudo reverby type vibe. And I think there I go into uh, I think I go into Team Awesome, which is one of my pedals. It's a a bass fuzz pedal. Uh, it has a clean blend on it. So you get some of those trails and things coming through from the, the delay before it. And that's usually set pretty heavy fuzz. And I go into another delay, which is longer repeats, and then into... Um, uh, I have to curse to say this. I was trying not to curse, and I don't think I have so far, but uh, either... A fuck overdrive, which is another pedal of mine, um, or a mini, which is sort of like a simpler version of that one, and I kind of change them out depending on on what stuff we're doing. I don't use the the fuck for the songs we're doing now, so um, the mini works just fine for me. And then into a reverb, and then uh, into I, I gotta ask. I mean, I I know we try to keep it clean on here, but how did you come up with that name? I'm sorry, interrupting again. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> I'm sure uh, you get asked that a lot. No, it's fine. Um, it was uh, it was sort of sort of twofold. So one is that naming obviously naming a pedal or name you know naming your product, if you will, is can be tricky, and there's a lot at at play there. Um, and I think. Part of it was just like the trend in gear, sort of like 
have this like dumb innuendos, like big muff, swollen pickle, <laughs> super hard on, like right, whatever, like some chesty, whatever the fuck. Um, so <laughs> you know, it's like something about that seems extremely juvenile and just like tacky to me. Um, but I wanted to sort of like two things I wanted to, one was just cut through that and just say what people want to say, but (laughs) because they're putting out a product and they, most people who are, you know, maybe more wiser than I am, uh, in terms of business mindedness are thinking to themselves, I probably shouldn't name this like a word that most people aren't allowed to say or can't write or can't look at while they're at work, something like that. Right. Because they'll sell less of it, which is a perfectly valid point. But I just wanted to. Uh, <laughs> the, you know, it's the beauty it's your of company. Your, you can do whatever yeah, you want. It's, it's, That's yeah, the beauty, it's the beauty of, it. of being the one person at the job and you're just like, yeah, you know, I'm going to do that. Why not? Mm-hmm. If, it, if it's a complete failure, then it's fine. Uh, and it's like, it's not the end of the world. You just do something else. I could put, take the exact same circuit, put it out under a different name that's clean and see how that goes. And then, uh, you know, whatever. But thankfully that didn't happen. People are okay with it for the most part. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was sort of one part of it. And the second part of it was just that, you know, I've, I've played a lot of overdrive pedals and stuff like that. And I, I never really liked Oh, that sounds like a weird thing to say, too. I never really liked many overdrive pedals in general. Right. So that was sort of my railing against saying, like, you know, fuck overdrive, you know? <laughs> okay. All right. Even though, even though it is an overdrive pedal. So but it's you... sort of like, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it can be clever or really stupid, no matter how you look at it. <laughs> it it's, well, you know, it's uh, whatever the user, as with music, it's uh, whatever the end user wants it to be. Yeah. But on a third note, also, there's another layer there. Also, there is a you know, weird kind of feature to it that allows you to completely fuck up your signal. Um, and that was sort of the other part of it, which is more straightforward, if you will, but also, again, using maybe the wrong words to convey <laughs> that information. It's a tri-fold signal. The layers are deep. It's an onion tri-fold. of an overdrive. It's an onion. Yeah, it should be called the onion overdrive, actually. <laughs> well, then, would it still be an onion if it was an onion overdrive? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. It would be a leak. It, it, it would be... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we're back to the vegetables. Yeah, exactly. I was it's trying to bring it around. It comes yeah, full circle, back to the veggies. Yep. Yep. Love it. So yeah. I know where we went last time with this. So, so from that, like your your musical background and everything, how did that lead you into starting to build pedals? It was just like oh, sure. being being unhappy with what was on the market, or was it just kind of wanting to start circuit bending and see what was up? Yeah. So thank you. You gave me the prompts there so that I would tell the right story. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> uh, and I'll try to condense this one too because I think I went talked longer about that other stuff than I needed to. So, yeah, it was when I was in school, when I was at Berkeley, I was studying mostly performance um, stuff, but also I was started to get really into electronic music, and I was uh, I started 
studying a lot of um, sig uh, sorry I'm totally fumbling my words right now studying a lot of synthesis as well and sound design so I was concentrating on that just as much as the performance stuff um, so I was learning that there was a lot of cool things you could do with sound in the digital domain especially in uh, software based stuff uh, just even just plugins alone but not even counting like all the really cool other software that exists like Max MSP and Reactor and things like that which are like these uh, graphical programming environments where you can create really amazing sound manipulating and sound generating instruments and, and plugins and devices. So it was then that I was also, so again, I was playing a lot with peoples and I felt there was a pretty big divide between the two, software stuff and the performance stuff. And I, some of that I bridged like a little bit, I guess, with the laptop trio thing, but for a lot of it, live playing, it just felt like, man, there's so many like really powerful things that you could do to sound and, and just like there's not, that doesn't exist in many pedals. So I started sort of circuit bending stuff at the time, thinking that that might have been like an avenue that, that would have been cool to go down. And it was for a little while, but um, there's a lot of like trial and error, like unanswered questions in that. You're just kind of like messing with things, touching things, and you don't really know what's going on unless you have the schematics for the whatever you're circuit bending. And it's just like a whole other world. Um, and I guess maybe I didn't have the patience for it, but it made me want to learn more about um, electronics in general so that I could maybe make something without just like fumbling around in the dark. And, and that, that's kind of what led me to, to start making pedals, I guess. There's a lot of reading and, and um, asking questions online, uh, mostly, you know, online reading, just finding what other people had looked at before me and, you know, reading like Craig Anderton's books and, and books about like designing filters and things like that. Um, and I, I think also it was, it was around that time that I had bought some, probably my first like boutique pedals, which were also Death by Audio uh, pedals, which I think are great and aesthetically yes, they really, are. yeah, they're, they're totally great. And Oliver, like he's, he's a, a good dude doing a lot of really cool stuff. Um, and the aesthetics really spoke to me at the time, and they still do. Uh, and I had bought like a, a Total Sonic Annihilation, which I used a ton at the time, which is a, a feedback looper. So a really simple pedal, but um, it just it looked good. So <laughs> You can do a lot with it. You can do yeah, it. yeah, you can do so much with it. And and then I bought another pedal from, from Oliver, which... Um, was probably a nightmare uh, communication between me and him, basically commissioning him to make this custom pedal. And what he ended up giving me was um, the prototype for the robot, which is sort of like a weird um, kind of glitchy like pitch shifter thing. Yeah. Um, and it was really cool. It wasn't exactly what I thought I was going to be getting, and but it sort of made me think about like, okay, like I have these thoughts in my head about sounds I want and it's really hard to convey to other people how to get there. So maybe I just need to sort of like 
experiment more and figure out how to do it on my own, which was another big uh, impetus for, for trying to just like figure it out. So, you know, I just like built some like simple, simple circuits at first, uh, like a green ringer, I think was the first thing and maybe like a simple boost. And then I got some kits. Um, I just dove right in with really complicated stuff after that. I felt emboldened by building one or two things that worked fine. <laughs> right. So I don't know if that was good or bad, but the next thing I built was uh, just like a incredibly complicated, like many, many knobs and switches modified uh, VB2, Boss VB2, which is a vibrato. And um, yeah, I mean, it just kind of went from there. I didn't, you know, I didn't really think too much about, about it being a, a thing that I would want to turn into a business or anything like that. Um, as I'm sure most people don't when they start doing it sort of just, I, I loved doing it. And I first started just to make some stuff for friends who, you know, wanted, wanted things. And, um, that's that, that kind of led to actually the team awesome. So that was how that pedal came about. It's just a friend who wanted a particular thing. Seemed like, uh, oh, maybe some other people want this too. So at what point did you decide that this was going to be like a legitimate business where you were going to, you know, kind of make these available for sale to, to everybody and not just your good buddies and whatnot? Yes. So that time was, uh, uh, I, <laughs> it's really funny thinking about what I just said and thinking about what actually happened and then <laughs> putting the two together in my mind again. Um, yeah, it's a weird thing when you like talk about yourself and you say the same thing again, it's like, feels <laughs> like it wasn't real or something. It wasn't Brian. Yeah, this was, it was, all a, it was real. No. This was all a dream. <laughs> this is all a dream. I know. <laughs> <laughs> or a nightmare. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, uh, so I, I was living in New York at the time and I, I sold some, some, you know, had some friends who got some pedals, sold some to them, gave some away, whatever. Right. Um, and it was then that I, I figured I would try to just start selling some in maybe some stores. So the closest store to me, which was a great, great place, uh, main drag music in Williamsburg, uh, Brooklyn, really, really great store, very supportive people. And they were, you know, I just kind of walked in there one day and I said, Hey, I make pedals. I live really close to here. You guys want to carry them? And they were like, yeah, sure. We love that. Uh, and those, I think it was like three team awesomes. I brought them first. And those three went to like people who were doing cool stuff and were like touring. One of them was Chris Taylor from Grizzly Bear. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So it's like, they just happened to go getting some, some neat people's hands right away. And, uh, and it was around that time that I think there was some forum stuff. Some people knew about me on some forums that I was, I was uh, following. But I wasn't really, I didn't have a website even for like a year after any of this, or two years even. It was bizarre. Like people had to contact me via only email or um, like, I don't know, my, it was probably had like a MySpace page at the time or something. <laughs> Uh, and like nothing else. It was just like, Hey, contact this dude through an email to get this pedal. Uh, seems like a totally like sort of like backdoor deal. You're doing like but, the, the Paul Cochran thing. 
Sort of. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it was just, but even weirder because I, I just had a, an email address. He at least has a phone number you can call and like talk to a human being. Um, I don't know what's weirder or not, but I guess it's weird that he still does that. It's, it weird, I think it's awesome. I think, you know, it's, it's works for him. So that's all that matters. Yeah. Really. It's like, it's, you know, it's not broken, so don't fix it. Yeah, there you go. Um, so yeah, so I, I'd been sort of doing that and, and, um, and people, you know, kept emailing me, people kept wanting to get more pedals. So things were cool. It seemed fine to me. And it was around that time that I started playing with, with, uh, cymbals. And when that happened, I also coincidentally, uh, split up with a, a girl that I had been in a, a very, very long relationship with. And I decided to move from New York to Philadelphia. And at that time, it just sort of, you know, stars aligned. Uh, and I just, all those things sort of happening at the same time. And I had to quit my job, obviously, to, to move. So I figured when I moved that I didn't really want to get another sort of crummy job that, like the one I was working and I would rather just try to make pedals. And thankfully, Philadelphia has a slightly lower cost of living than New York. Um, so at the time, it was sort of an easy, easy move and an easy situation. So, you know, uh, it was very fortuitous. Nice. So right place, right time, I guess. And then I finally got a website. <laughs> and then it wasn't yeah it wasn't it wasn't honestly it wasn't until like a year or two after that that i was like uh yeah i need a website <laughs> <clears throat> so do you have a a particular pedal that is your favorite that you make right now um i still i still think that the fuck overdrive is is really cool i think it's um i think it's just like kind of weird and like it's not to me. It seems it's not a thing that's been done before. Okay. And I, you know, I know that seems like a little pretentious of me to say, and I'm I'm say it without any pretension. I just I don't think it's a thing that has been done before, in exactly the same way. And I think it's kind of and you know I think it's an interesting pedal. I think some people really get it and it totally resonates with some people, and then other people it's like oh whatever that doesn't do what I wanted it to do or thought it should do. Um, and that's cool. But yeah, I think it's, I still, I still really like it a lot. I think it's probably in some ways my favorite pedal that I make. Um, but it's purely for selfish reasons. I just think it's, I, I think it's like a neat idea and I think there's a lot of different things you could do with it. Um, actually speaking of that pedal, it was kind of cool total another tangent but a kind of a fun story so this guy who had emailed me a couple times um this year and i sort of failed i'm i'm constantly behind on emails so again it is just me at this company so i'm kind of behind a lot on everything all the time <laughs> but i that try sounds, really hard to that sounds really that. familiar yeah i'm sure um so <laughs> So there was a guy who had emailed me a, a few times this year to get a pair, like a stereo pair of oh. fuck overdrives and, um, or to, to just, you know, for me to make like a stereo version for him. And I totally spaced out on getting back to him. And then he actually, uh, got in touch with me yesterday and he had said that he, he bought two from a retailer, which is great. That's what they're there for. Uh, and he 
was having problems with them. They weren't working. So it's also usually a good um, troubleshooting lesson as well for other pedal, pedal, pedal builders as well. Sometimes things are really easily done over email. And you are still there, right? I didn't lose oh, you. Oh, yeah. No, I'm still here. Okay. Sorry. I'm like, I'm like listening super intense. No, no, no. Okay. wondering where, where this is going. Like, I'm so okay, curious no, it's, right It's now. going somewhere good. I'm sorry to, okay. to interrupt my own story. Um, <laughs> so generally when people have problems with pedals too, it's like, you know, you email them back and you say, hey, well, how did you, did you plug it in the right way? What kind of power supply are you using, et cetera, et cetera. You ask questions. Right. Generally when that happens, I like to have people call me because sometimes something weird happens and you can get to the bottom of it really quickly through a phone call rather than this like long drawn out email process. Yes. So that's what happened today. This guy called me and uh, he was like pressing the, the switch. He was like, yeah, it just doesn't, nothing happens when I press the switch. Um, it like doesn't change the sound at all. And I was like, well, that doesn't sound right because if you turn it on and it like doesn't work, you should hear no sound because that's what, that means the switch is functioning. Right. And if it's just like you press it and you still hear the exact same sound, then I don't know how I could have wired, like, I, there's no way I wired that switch like that. It's just not possible. Because um, I use little, like, little, certain little daughter boards for the switches. So I was, like, listening to him, like, switch it on and off a bunch of times and, like, play. And then finally it struck me. <laughs> and I said, hey, do you... You have other pedals, right? <laughs> Which is a kind of a funny question to ask him. And he said, yeah, yeah, totally. And I was like, all right. And I was like, well, I don't want to offend you, but are you pressing the switch hard enough? And he was just like, and then I hear a click, like a snap. And then he's like, oh, and it's like way louder and it was on. So he it was just like, because the left switch on a fuck overdrive is a momentary switch. Right. So he just assumed both of them were momentary switches. And he was doing the same thing. Uh, and not pressing it down completely. So both pedals were totally fine. They worked completely normally. Uh, but it was just a funny thing. Anyway, that was a, also a tangent on my tangent. The point of this whole story was that in this, in, this whole, in this whole conversation with this guy, also which what I got out of this conversation that I wouldn't have gotten through the email. We were talking for a little while, and he was like asking me questions about it. Um, so some of the genesis of the fuck overdrive is that I'm a, a huge fan of, of a composer named William Basinski. And he, he makes sort of like really, really beautiful, like um, very like ambient sort of uh, soundscape music, I guess you could say. I don't, you know, there's not really a better way to put it. A lot of his piano based, um, but he has a particular collection of, of records called uh, the disintegration loops and the idea oh, behind sounds, those, I think I've heard of yeah. this before. Yeah. So the idea behind those records was that he made these tape loops and I, I mean, I guess this is, I feel like maybe I just made this <laughs> change the story in my mind uh, now to my own story. But um, I guess he had made these loops that were on analog tape. And when he went to transfer them to a digital format, I guess like some of them were, were damaged or something like that. And they, he noticed that while he was recording them, that the tape would just like gradually disintegrate or, you know, wear away. And so what he did was rather than just 
you know, think like, oh man, these, these things are ruined. He decided to, I guess, record the sound of that. So he recorded all these loops slowly disintegrating. And I mean, it's like some of my favorite music ever. Uh, and they're really, really long. So some of them, and some of them are short actually. Um, but like the, the, the first one, which I guess is probably like the flagship track, um, which also I think has some connection to 9-11 as well as like a type of memorial type thing. Okay. And I don't actually know the full story behind it, uh, but there's a YouTube video of the like the Twin Towers like smoldering with the track overlaid. And I don't, again, I don't remember the, the story behind that, but that's interesting too. Um, it's like an hour and a half long and it's a short, like maybe like 20 second loop that just repeats over and over again for an hour and a half. And, you know, if you're somebody who's into music like that, then you get it. But if you're not, you might think that that's really boring. But it's totally not because the sound of it, like slowly disintegrating over an hour and a half is just like totally mesmerizing. And what happens is the you get like these sort of like very subtle like breaks in the sound um, and just like these pauses and hiccups. And then you get like timbral shifts where like some of the high end starts to get rolled off and mm -hmm. there's like hums and like other sounds that sort of like come through um, and like crackling sounds. And, and there's just like, there's so much to it. It's, it's such a, uh, it's just really complex. It's a very complex thing that's happening and it's, it's totally amazing. So I wanted to sort of capture that in a pedal, at least my own version of that sort of an exaggerated version of it. And that's where the idea for the pedal came from. The way this is tied into this dude calling me today, which is really cool, he said, hey, have you ever, did you ever send one of these pedals to like William Basinski? And I was like, no, you know, that's a really good question. That <laughs> is totally never, a very good yeah. question. Yeah, and I was like, no, I've never done that. And he goes, oh, you should. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I should. I'm gonna like, maybe, you know, I think I'm gonna like get in touch with the, you know, somebody in his world and try to find his info and then he goes oh he's a good friend of mine he's coming over in two weeks nice so i'm gonna like i'm gonna like have him play the play the pedals and check them out so it was just like i wouldn't have gotten any of that if i didn't just have this dude call me so that's how this is all sort of wrapped up in that little bundle of a story that's a trip wow yeah that's so cool yeah, so that was another nice thing that happened today. Coming back to the first question you asked me, what did I do today? <laughs> and you're good at bringing it around. Yeah, that was that was a really good good thing that happened today. I'm surprised that's good. not the first story you told me. Instead of going to get uh, whatever that bro broccoli hybrid thing was. Oh, the Romanesco. Yeah, yeah the Romanesco. That was, that was exciting too. It's just they're different. Yeah, different excitement levels of those things. Yeah, I would think the le the levels are slightly different. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, have a, I have a really weird memory too it's like really bad but also like selective in certain ways so i probably honestly just didn't remember about that until something like sparked it and then it was like there so yeah that no was... that is that's amazing that you that kind of the guy that inspired the you know the the device so to you know so to speak is actually going to be able to put his hands and ears on it that's yeah. that's pretty incredible I don't Yeah, I, I mean it's also it's also nice that it, I didn't in some ways I also like that it wasn't because I just sent him one. Uh it was because it just happened 
organically. It's just like he just happened to know he's going to meet up with this dude. I don't know. You know, I don't know how they're friends. I don't know their, like, connection. Right. Um, but it's just like he's just going to happen to go to this guy's house who has been, like, trying to get these pedals for me for a while. And, like, he just did. And then we had this conversation. And it's like, yeah, it's it's cool how things sometimes come together like that. So so did the guy who called you know the that that was a big inspiration for you or i mean that's how did yeah, that even yeah. come okay i was like i was just like how did that even come up that's amazing he did <sighs> yeah so it, i did um at some point i think maybe like a year ago i changed some of the um like sort of the the ad copy or whatever the information on the website right for the the product itself to reflect that um, sort of beginning of it. Oh, okay. Okay. So I think before it didn't say anything about that, but then I think I just talked to somebody about it once and I told them about sort of where it came from and they, they were like, Oh, that's like, that's interesting. You should tell people that. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's probably a good idea. Maybe I should. I, I, th- <laughs> I think it's always a good idea. I mean, this is a, you know, kind of more business type of thing, but I, as, as a, a consumer and a rather avid consumer of guitar gear. It's always cooler to me when there's a story behind something. Totally. Um, like it doesn't matter what that particular thing is. If I'm buying something and it's like, there's a nice backstory to it. It's, mm-hmm. it's so much more interesting. Um, just, just to know. And then to be able to kind of pass that story along, like sure to somebody else, it's, when you buy a when you're buying something that has a story it's just it's so much cooler than just some non i don't know nondescript gray box thing you know yeah i mean it just i think it allows you to connect with it more it's not just like a thing it's not just a thing you know there's some you, you there's emotion behind and 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 purpose you know it's not just like i'm i want to make money off you so i'm making this thing you know it's like hey there's a there's a reason why I'm doing this. It's not just like, it's not just money. There's not, it's just all about money. You know, it's like, there's a thing that I really wanted to make and then like share with people. And then it sort of, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> well, and then it's a, it's a thing where it, it does deepen that connection. And then, you know, when people are buying like your stuff or, or anybody else's stuff they choose to buy, if the connection's deeper and they're using that and they feel that when they're trying to make music, I think it kind of comes through. I mean, totally. You know, I and it's kind of the same reason why I really like um, vintage guitars, because it's like yeah, there's a story behind there's it. There's something there. I don't even you know I don't necessarily know what all of that what the story is, but there is something there. Somebody, you know, before me felt a connection to this, and and now I have it, and yeah. it, it's just a weird big I don't know it's it's an important thing I think important totally. piece of the puzzle yep yeah I, I figured it out eventually <laughs> <laughs> well man um you know it always happens kind of like this like I I try to cut these off at an hour but I almost every time I feel like the hour comes and we're just really finally starting to like get, get a good flow but yeah, who knows how long this even is? I think this could this could be like four hours. I think at this point, it, it might be. Who knows? <laughs> We've had so many so many gremlins plaguing us, but no, we're yeah. we're right around the hour mark now, and uh, cool. 
as I like to say, everyone's already either home or in their cubicle, um, you know, on Reverb.com when they're supposed to be working, and uh, they've turned this off already. So we are but a distant memory with our vegetable talk and petals and whatnot. <laughs> what a depre- what a depressing way to end it. I know I'm cr- I'm gonna cry myself to sleep tonight for D- sure. Don't cry, don't cry. I'll call you. We can continue to talk. Um, All right, and it'll be it'll be okay. I don't want I don't want this podcast to break anyone down emotionally. <laughs> Please, I hope I hope not. <laughs> All right, man. Well, it was it was awesome talking to you. Um, thank you so much for taking multiple multiple times to come on. It uh, it's uh, really awesome. So thank you very much. Oh, the pleasure was all mine. Thanks for making the effort. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, for Brian Hamilton, this is Blake Wylan, and as usual, good luck and good tones. <laughs> Talk to you later. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.